This podcast is not safe for work and will feature movie spoilers. It will feature scenes described of a graphic nature. It will contain language which most listeners may find offensive. Welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is bonus episode 218. I'm your host Duncan McLeish. Welcome to the show. On bonus episode 218 we are doing a little bit of movie club as part of Challenge Teapots January 2020. The first of a little series looking at some Hammer production movies. That's right, we touched on a little bit and that hammer horror. But the first movie we tackled, not necessarily horror, although it definitely dips its toe. At the time, I imagine it was probably quite horrific by today's standards. It's more kind of B-movie sci-fi. But we're going to be looking at Quater Mass Experiment from 1955. That'll be coming up after the first break. Before we get to that, as always, let's do a little bit of a catch-up with what is happening under the stairs. So much stuff, as always, to keep you going. We put out on Monday a little fun episode themed for January. It was the Just When You Thought dot 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 January episode where I looked at some twist endings, some surprise reveals and horror movies and picked my favourite ones. I then asked you to let me know what your favourites were and I got some interesting feedback, some, some ones coming through. I don't think I've read it yet, I may have been dreaming. Might have been one of these ones where I woke up in the middle of the night and I thought I read something but couldn't find the comment afterwards. My glaring omission of not putting old boy in there. I don't know what happened there, but speaking of old boy, exciting news regarding February. In February, I'll be running the Vengeance Trilogy. That's right, I'll be doing it with my good buddy Liam from Scotland vs Evil who will be guesting for a couple of episodes and we're going to be looking at all three of Park Chan-wook's Vengeance Trilogy. I'm getting off topic here. Today is obviously your bonus episode with Movie Club. Tomorrow you're getting another bonus episode while a review of the brand new Grudge movie which finally made its way to UK cinemas this week. And then swinging into the end of the week on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday we're reviewing Eyeball as part of the 88 Films Italian Collection series. Plenty of stuff for all y'all out of there. Now tomorrow is an exciting time across on the Tea Putts Collective. That's right, hopefully you have subscribed to the sister RSS feed to this podcast on whatever device you're using and whatever catcher you're subscribing your podcast to, whether it be Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, etc, etc. Hopefully you're subscribed to Tea Putts Collective because we've been putting out some new content over there. Thus far you've had the brand new season kickoff of Opera Omnia, the brand new season kickoff of Chronicle and tomorrow you're getting the brand new season kickoff of Doing the Nasty. That's right, Doing the Nasty returning for season two, looking at the tier three movies. Oh that's right, from that video nasty list. Joined by Mark Ball, we will cover two movies 
from the 82 that make up that list. It's going to be a long-running series, this one. On the first episode, we're looking at Invasion of the Blood Farmers and the last horror film. So yeah, that'll be dropping tomorrow. So make sure you're subscribed to the feed. So the only way you can hear it is by making sure you're subscribed. And if you're itching when you finish that episode to listen to more of the entire back catalogue of Down the Nasty is available on that feed, as well as the entire back catalogue of Chronicle. So you have plenty of content over on that feed. So yeah, there we go. That is you all caught up. Couldn't have been any easier. It was nice and breezy, wasn't it? Right, let's take a short break just now. You're going to hear promos for shows that I love. When we return, you are going to hear your reviews for a little movie called The Quatermass Experiment from 1955. Those reviews coming right up right after this. Want to learn more about horror directors? With a lighthearted look at three of their movies, meet fearless podcaster Gore Blimey. I've been unsettled by bats in the past and startled by parrots, and I've even been known to jump at the odd cockatoo. Discover horror films that are classics, and others, too. There's a topless aerobics massacre, an exploding rock singer, cannibals, nude martial arts, a deep fried prostitute. But it's not all silliness. You'll get proper movie breakdowns, opinion, and background information, too. Yep, in the 80s and 90s, Jeff Stryker was huge in gay porn. In every sense. So if you're a horror film fan, come and check out the Trilogy of Terror podcast at strangeanddeadly.com or find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or on your podcatcher. One of those people that has a certain charisma and a certain style, and I'm just hoping one day he'll rub off on me. The Trilogy of Terror podcast, where we try three times harder to give you the willies. And welcome back. So let's kick right off here with Matt Wood's review that came in via Facebook. Matt says, hi Duncan and fellow Teapots listeners. Hope everyone's good and enjoying 2020 so far. Here's my review of the film The Quatermass Experiment. I'll try and make it nice and short. I've got to be honest, I'm not really a big fan of old school black and white horror. The earliest film I think I've seen is The Creature from the Black Lagoon, which I thought was okay. So as soon as this film started in black and white, I thought, oh no. But as the film progressed, I was pleasantly surprised. It's a great little story with some fairly decent acting. There wasn't much in the way of character introduction, but it didn't really matter. The whole idea of a man returning from space having picked up some sort of weird space virus and then metamorphosizing, well done for spelling that, I couldn't even say it, uh, as the entity ingests humans and animals as it gains in strength and size, is a great concept and it was well executed. I adore anything to do with body horror, and this film was littered with it. Overall, I enjoyed the film, and I would suggest you see it. It's on Prime. I'd give it a Netflix score of 3.5 absorbed knives out of 5. You may think that this is a little lower, but I'm a miserable fuck, so it's probably a 4 for everyone else. Cheers, Duncan. Keep up the good work, Matt. Thank you very much for that review, Matt. Matt, you also didn't do the bonus homework, but I'll let you off it because I think um, that your tagline for this movie could be, uh, I'm a miserable fuck, it's probably a four out of five. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's your one-liner. I'm coining it for that review, Matt Wood, on the side of the, the movie poster. I would take that and hopefully you will as well. Thanks very much for sending that in, Matt, and keeping the show alive. 
That's right, keep that dream alive. It only exists if you guys submit reviews. Let's take this into audio review territory with our good buddy, David Garrett Jr. David said... All right, hello, Duncan and T-Puts listeners. David Garrett Jr. back again for the first movie club of 2020, where we're going to delve into into some hammer horror. Now, just to kind of give a brief kind of background for me, I've seen pretty much all of the Dracula and Frankenstein hammer films, and I've seen just random ones here and there. So, Duncan, when you said that this was going to be the next ones that we did for the next four months, I was pretty excited to kind of delve into some of the, you know, lesser-known ones, possibly. First up, we have The Quatermass Experiment from 1955. Now, not only is this, you know, something that Hammer is not really a company that I've seen all of the films, this is my first experience with any of the Quatermass films. I've heard people talk about them, and, but that was about the extent of what I knew. Now, the first thing that struck me about this one is that it came out in the sci-fi age of the 50s, but this one feels more horror than any of the films I've ever seen from the era, and I can appreciate that. What also struck me was that Professor Bernard Quatermass and how arrogant he is. He's quite intelligent and clearly has the money to fund the experiments that he does. Hell, he even put a rocket into space without any official sanction from the government to do so. And he's even annoyed when he's questioned about it, which I find interesting that they really don't arrest him for the issues that he's caused. Now, something else is that we have a bit of like Fantastic Four, the Incredible Hulk here with what happens to Victor Karun. There's something clearly wrong with him when he's taken in. I like that the evidence is given to us piece by piece as they figure it out. So that helps to build the mystery. For some examples here, first we get that there are fingerprints that aren't matching to him. Then we, his skin keeps looking worse and worse. Then there's the scene in, in the room with the cactus before he kills his first victim. But I like how this story develops and I find it interesting that some of the kills that we get are tame by today's standards, but looking at it from back when this was made, it's actually kind of brutal seeing the after effects. Now, much like other films from the era, we have a short running time, and I think that helps me to enjoy this even more. These films don't necessarily build tension in the same way like we get ones today, but I didn't find that to be an issue here. I've seen films similar to this where I was bored, and this definitely wasn't the case as they mix in the investigation to figure out what is happening to Victor while he is creating victims and scaring people around the city. We then learn that the creature has mutated. It gets really creepy. I did like how it ended, but it is a bit abrupt. I can't harp on that though, going back to that this is the product of the time. I thought Brian Donlevy was great as Quatermass. He brings an arrogance to the role that made me chuckle, but also see how he could get away with some of the things that he does. He's not completely heartless, but we do see he favors science over pretty much everything else. It is interesting that he can't account for all factors and has more of a way of let's see what happens and figure it out as a kind of reactionary approach. Jack Warner plays off him well as Inspector Lomax. He's a bit bumbling and the complete opposite of Quatermass in that he is puts his faith in religion. I do think they work well together. Richard Wordsworth does really well at looking creepy in the scenes that we get. I also really like David King Wood, who is Dr. Gordon Briscoe, who works with Quatermass, and I thought the rest of the cast rounded this out for what was needed. Something that actually blew me away were the effects. I know that this is the 50s, but for a movie that at this time of recording it is 65 years old, 
I thought they did better than some I see even today. They were done practically. Does the creature look rubbery at times? Yes, it does. But I thought when we see its final form in the climax, it looked pretty solid. I like the slime trails that we got. And I thought the cinematography was solid for the era. And I had no complaints there. Now, with that said, I like sci-fi films. And I thought this was a really good blend of horror with that genre during its heyday of the 50s. I thought that the acting was solid. Don Levy really embodies Quatermass by bringing that aura of arrogance with Warner being that counterpart as the inspector. I like the story as well as the mystery that builds from it. We get a blend of horror and investigation, which works for me. It is paced in a way where it never got boring and uses its runtime effectively. The effects were solid for the era. I would say that this is an above average film and makes me look forward to seeing more from this series now for sure. And my rating on the Netflix scale would actually be a four out of five. And then now Duncan for the kind of secondary challenge that you had with this as well is to create a tagline for the movie. I'll have to admit, I'm not very good at doing these, but the one that I came up with is a mystery of exploration into space brings back something horrific, the creeping unknown. Thanks once again, Duncan, for doing these. I always look forward to them and usually gives me, you know, a mix of films that I've never seen before. So I'm going to go ahead and get out of here. This is David Garrett Jr. signing off. And thanks to David for submitting that in. Hopefully you had a good new year, buddy. It's always great to hear from you. And hopefully we will continue this run of maybe picking some Hammer titles that you've never heard of before, which would make me happy. I dare say if you are in the know, like the next reviewer is that you will have seen most of what I'm going to be suggesting. I don't think I'm going to be reinventing the wheel. We will certainly not be treading into some of the territories that Hammer is more known for. Let's put it that way in the wider world. But we will be covering um, some of the movies that I think are not necessarily essential viewing, but will round out your knowledge of the production company to say the least. Right, our next reviewer is someone that is very familiar and was kind of happy when I suggested this because he didn't have the greatest time on the Asian run. It is, of course, our good buddy, Tim Walker. Tim Walker says, Dear Duncan and Teapots people, well, it's 2020 and we're in the UK. More specifically, we're doing some films by the low-budget British masters of horror in the 50s, 60s and 70s. Hammer films. I know they've been rebooted in recent years and the new movie, The Lodge, being their latest release. But for this month's movie club, we're going all the way back to 1955. I think technically this wasn't Hammer's first horror film or even sci-fi horror film since there was The Four-Sided Triangle from 1953, directed by Terence Fisher, but this was their first big hit in the horror genre. The Quatermass Experiment was released in the States under the title The Creeping Unknown because they assumed Americans weren't as familiar with the Quatermass character as the British had been since there had already been radio and TV shows and possibly other formats as well in the UK beforehand. It was still a hit in America though as there were sequels. The first time I saw this movie was on the cable channel Turner Classic Movies in either the late 90s or early 2000s and the host on that channel explained that Quatermass character was extremely popular in the UK. He compared Quatermass to the UK uh, as to the X-Files in America which of course was a phenomenon in America at the time. A household name in other words. I think that's probably a fair comparison. 
Anyway, this movie is well shot, has some interesting ideas about the unknown dangers of space travel and is pretty well acted, though I don't think anyone would be Oscar worthy. Also, the movie was pretty creepy at times, whereas a lot of the sci-fi horror films of the 50s often lacked that. There was often just pure fun with giant monsters and whatnot. The Quatermass Experiment was a genuinely creepy movie which made it a bit unique. There were even some scenes where the nurse finds that the partially melted corpse that were pretty intense and nasty for the time. I don't recognise the actors in this one other than Brian Dunleavy who in the main role was a fairly big actor in Hollywood in the 40s and 50s. Personally, other than the first two Quatermass films, I only know him from some radio dramas I listen in podcast form. He did a spy show called Dangerous Assignment, which also had an American TV version in the 50s. He was a very good actor, but he does stick out like a sore thumb amidst the British actors in the first two Hammer Quatermass movies. The same applied to Dean Jagger in Hammer's X The Unknown which was originally intended to be a Quatermass movie, but Nigel Neal didn't write uh, or allow his character to be in it. By the way, X the Unknown was set in Scotland, though not all the characters were Scottish. Plus, it was the inspiration for, i.e. it was ripped off by the Italian horror film Caltiki the Immortal Monster, which is a movie that launched Mario Bava's career as a director and essentially Italian horror in general when you think about it. Otherwise, Bava wouldn't have been able to do Black Sunday the following year. I suppose this movie won't be for everyone. Any movie this old will often not work for a modern audience. Some modern horror fans just don't like anything other than 80s or maybe even further back to the 70s. But something from the mid-50s in black and white might not be their cup of tea. It is mine though. I said in my last review that there are very few Hammer films that I don't like to some extent, at least. I very much dig all the Quatermass films and Exe Unknown, which, like I said, is basically an honorary Quatermass flick. Quatermass in the Pit from 1967 was the best. And no offence to Brian Dunleavy, but Scottish actor Andrew Kerr was the best Quatermass, at least of the actors that I have seen. And I'm not saying that to kiss up to you, Duncan, since Kerr was Scottish, but uh, he was perfect for the part, plain and simple. Anyway, I'm not sure what I had rated this one before, but after watching it, I'm giving The Quatermass Experiment four stars out of five. It may not be for everyone, but I really dug it. As for a new tagline to go with, I had a couple in mind while watching it. The one that I think is best might be a bit of a cheat. Oh, but, well, it works for modern times. If I were to go back to the 1950s, like in Back to the Future, and use the tagline, no one would get it. Do you still want to believe? Question mark. I got the idea when I remembered the X-Files comparison I'd heard on TCM when I first saw it. Well, it's the best one I can think of, and I hope it works for you, Duncan. Good choice for this month, and I'm digging it. Even if you pick one of the extremely rare Hammer films I don't care for much, it will still give me an excuse to go back and watch them. I hope everyone else digs this one too, and I'm looking forward to next month's pick. Catch you next time. Take care, Duncan, and Teapot's folk. Tim! Thank you very much for that, Tim. I had a sneaky suspicion you would like this one. I, very much like yourself, I'm a massive fan of Quatermass, and that's not necessarily because I came to it from some sort of nostalgic love for Quatermass Experiment. 
I kind of, I think I saw my first one in the early 2000s, maybe circa about the same time that you did. And I think it was off the back of maybe one of these, let's do a run of old movies on, it must have been the BBC or maybe even Channel 4, it could be Channel 4. Channel 4 in the UK used to have um, little seasons where they would pick like a series of movies and have someone kind of curate the list. Uh, and people like Mark Kermode, who is a very famous film critic, who you probably are aware of, uh, would do these things. And it would not surprise me in my vague, hazy memory if Mark Kermode like, curated a series of movies on Channel 4 and Quatermass Experiment was one of them. Very much like yourself, and I would totally 100% agree um, that, you know, I, I am not... The, the saying that the Quater Mass experiment is the best. Quater Mass in the Pit works for me, certainly. The TV show is bitching if you get a chance to watch it. And if you've never seen it before, and it has some linkage here, I highly recommend the stone tapes. The stone tapes are weird and creepy and in the same kind of oeuvre of the Quatermass Experiment. I think they've been released on DVD now, maybe even Blu-ray, so if you, if you can, if you've not seen them before, but if anyone did enjoy this and wants to experience something from about the same time period that is equally icky, then the Stone Tapes is a high recommend for me. But thanks very much for sending that in, Tim. Always great to hear from you, and hopefully we'll keep this joyous bandwagon a-rolling. And let's swing to the next one from our good buddy Rob Wilson, who just does it the way I like expected it because <laughs> I think he did a few drinks and he was like that listen I'm just gonna I'm gonna fucking do it live Duncan we'll do it live god damn it uh, Rob's review nice concise right to the fucking point he said watched it for the first time November of 2019 and I really enjoyed the movie I remember hearing that it was good but bogged down with long dialogue and it really isn't it's an easy 4 out of 5 maybe a second watch would push it forward my tagline, Locust Mindfuckers. Does it get any better than that? Thank you very much, Rob, for sending that. And I hope the hangover, which was about to plague you, was not bad. Uh, there's nothing worse, nothing worse than the inevitability of a hangover, which is going to stick with you for a while. And you know it's coming. You know it's coming, but there's nothing you can do about it. It's kind of it's kind of like um, if you are... What's his face? Um... Oh, the dude from Fish Called Wanda who ends up getting killed by Michael Palin because uh, he's standing in concrete uh, and he can see the, <laughs> he can see the steamroller coming from him. Hangovers like that are terrible. Dakar! Dakar! Amazing. Absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So thank you very much for saying that. And Rob, always great to hear from you, buddy. And uh, let's continue this uh, good time a rolling. It's some more audio commentary here from our good buddy Rafael Fernandez who says Hello TFUS folks Von Braun tier rocket scientist and Trump tier asshole Stupid idiot trying to take the whole thing in her own hand Bernard Quatermass almost runs the British rocket program into the ground when he actually runs a British rocket into the ground He's already got the bureaucrats on his butt If the whole world waited for official sanction it'd be standing still but there's more bad news, since the rocket took off with three astronauts aboard, but came back with just one. And apparently in Britain, missing persons and bad math are both police matters. Minus two puts us in the embarrassing position of having to investigate plus one. Stay in school, kids. Worst of all, for the rest of us who didn't slip the surly bonds of Earth, that plus one, astronaut Victor Caroon, has come back with a terrible case of space clap, 
after being violated by the same energy monster that ate his buddies. Odd couple Quatermass, who lives to push boundaries, and Police Inspector Lomax, for whom boundaries keep people safe, form an uneasy alliance to investigate just what happened on the rocket. Lomax treating the mystery as a homicide investigation, and Quatermass as a scientific one to get his space program back on track. Seemingly nobody but Dr. Briscoe and Karun's wife Judith prioritize Karun's worsening health. But even the doctor, who really ought to know better what with that Hippocratic oath and all, allows himself to be browbeaten by his boss into not sending Karun to a proper hospital. Eventually, even Quatermass is forced to admit he's wrong when Karun's condition continues to worsen and relents to allow the astronaut to be transferred to a hospital. But in an absolutely dick move, in retaliation for Judith's mouthing off at him, Quatermass has forbidden anyone, including her, from visiting her husband. Which, in turn, causes Judith to arrange to have her husband kidnapped instead, and who promptly escapes into the night, obeying the alien survival instinct increasingly taking over him, and setting the stage for the race against time hunt for the dangerous Karoon creature. The Quatermass Experiment was one of those VHS movies from my childhood that I watched on a somewhat heavy rotation, being recorded, I think, from TNT's Monster Vision before Joe Bob Briggs hosted it. The movie was my introduction to the Quatermass universe and actor Brian Dunleavy, who also returned for the sequel, the imaginatively titled Quatermass 2. His portrayal became my standard for the character. Later on, I learned more about the history of the franchise and the different takes on the character by other actors, and about Brian Dunleavy's unfortunate battle with alcoholism, even fortifying himself before shooting. I only bring that up because it informs my tagline later on. I am in no way judging him by his demons. The movie is rightly a classic of the 50s sci-fi horror subgenre. The screenplay is very strong, I think due to having a strong source of material to work from. There's dramatic tension between the abrasive protagonist and just about everybody else, but still cooperation among the characters to solve the mystery of the missing astronauts and mutating survivor. It's a tribute to the screenplay that it holds the audience's attention with dialogue and story, with monster action being actually pretty sparse. The dialogue is generally dry in a way that I love in these kinds of films, though there is some smattering of humor from Inspector Lomax and Ruby, the homeless wino, later on. The performances are all very strong. I make fun of Brian Dunleavy, but I do like his performance here. In addition, Richard Wordsworth demonstrated serious acting chops to play a sometimes catatonic, and sometimes physically tormented Karoon, without it getting too theatrical. The only complaint actor-wise was even on my Kino Lorber Blu-ray, Judith's voice is noticeably dubbed by an American-accented voice. Does anyone else have a version with Marja Dean's own voice? I found it interesting that the opening scene before the introduction of Karoon is almost its own segment. It's basically the filmmaker's depiction of what a rocket crash and recovery might look like. The space race, I think, hasn't really caught the public's attention at this point, at least not in the way the commies launch of Sputnik a few years later would. Also, it appeared to me that the opening scene and the ending mirrored each other, with Quatermass again orchestrating an assemblage of personnel to conduct an operation efficiently. Visually, the trail of electrical cables used to kill the Karoon creature made me think of the trail of water hoses used on the rocket door. By the way, in the sequel... Quatermass is throwing up atomic rockets. If he let one of those crash near a village like he did in this movie, they'd probably name a gulag after him. 
There are a few scenes that aren't as strong as the others, in my opinion. In the scene where Karun encounters the little girl by the river, who, by the way, is played by Jane Asher, who we saw in Corman's The Mask of the Red Death, I found it extremely difficult to believe that upon seeing Karun's deformities, the first words out of her mouth wouldn't be something like, Hey, mister, what's wrong with your face? Maybe British little girls just have more manners, but I'm skeptical. I can still appreciate the scene's impact. It demonstrates that Victor still has enough humanity left in him to avoid killing a child. And seems to me to also be an homage to the encounter between Frankenstein's monster and a little girl. The movie could have really earned that X certificate by aiding the kid, though. I have mixed feelings about the scene with Ruby the Wino. On one hand, the character was charming and the actress performance was fun to watch. But because it was so fun, it felt like it didn't belong in this kind of movie. Inspector Lomax's witty quips would have been sufficient to sate the film's thirst for comic relief, in my opinion. In an argument about whether or not the Quatermass Experiment is a horror movie, I'd submit James Bernard's score as evidence in the affirmative. That opening title theme with its eerie strings in an alternating pattern, to my ear, anticipates John Williams' Jaws theme from 1974. But more importantly, I think the score saves the finale. The monster that Karun mutates into, while fantastic looking, doesn't really do enough to be physically threatening. But Bernard's score, that begins low energy and ominous with the arrival of Inspector Lomax after a cameraman's body is discovered, raises his intensity as the scene progresses, with a kind of accent when the monster is revealed, and reaches a fever pitch as our heroes learn that time is against them and the monster must be destroyed before it can eject spores of itself kept my heart rate up. By the way, if the monster really wanted to infect all of London, shouldn't it have slithered up onto the roof outside so its spores could hit the open air? But maybe Karun's mind still has enough control to minimize the effect of his reproductive ability. Still, I do like the ending. I'll give Quatermass Experiment a 4 out of 5. It's among the best of the 50s sci-fi horror films, but for me, a few other films outrank it. And for my tagline, Brian Dunleavy gets hammered, hamming it up in Hammer Studios' Horror Nailbiter. Thanks for listening, everybody, and I'm looking forward to whatever Hammer film Duncan has in store for us next month. And thank you very much to Raphael Fernandez for swinging that and a lot of love for this movie. I'm, I'm kind of, I am smugly sitting smiling right now because it's been a while. It has been a while since we had universal loving on this show. You know, I mean, you know what I'm on about, where everyone's like, you know what, Duncan, you did all right there. You did all right with that pick. There might be one voice that may dissent on this one. I know what you're thinking. We've already had one positive review from a certain Tim Walker, right? Which means if the yin's going one way, the yang's going the other, could this be a negative review from our good buddy, Don Anelli? Let's find out. Don says, so this month's movie club choice is one I've been dreading for a while and I've held out until the last minute 
to do because I'm not one that particularly enjoy, enjoys the talky British sci-fi. That's the case with the film, where I find what's going on interesting for the most part, but it's dragged out at a tempo that doesn't make me truly invest in what's going on. The fact that it somewhat rips off the Frankenstein story for so much of its final half, with a monster running loose in the country, countryside, even somewhat recreating the famous scene of the monster interacting with a child who is unaware of the danger she's truly in being around the creature, helps out quite a bit though. However, it's pretty dry until that point as he's stern-faced prof Quatermass investigates the rocket ship crash and its mysterious origins involving the others on board that have strangely disappeared even with the intense desire to keep wanting to know what's going on. The, ta the tameness with the cutaways during the supposed shocks and focusing on the reaction shots might have been far more chilling then than they are nowadays, but I need a little more than what's in store here. However, I do enjoy the premise and setup surrounding the incident, and the classy British atmosphere keeps up for the most, so I can give this a 3 out of 5 at the most on the Netflix scale. For the tagline, hmm, never been one of my strongest points as a writer, but at this point, the best I can offer is a shock this sensational could only come from the deepest reaches of space. Thank you very much for sending that in, Don. Don, actually, that is a positive review. Even though there's negatives in there, that's a positive review, and I'm just going to say it right now, hell hath frozen over, pigs are fucking flying, dogs and cats living together in peace. We have... Do we have a clean slate? There's only one review left. Do we have a clean slate here? Is everyone on board with Quatermass? I'm kind of hoping it is. I kind of hope it is. I'm, I'm secretly hoping. There's only one review left. That review comes in traditional fashion by the patron saint of Movie Club. He is our spokesperson. He is generally our final reviewer. It is, of course, our very good friend, Lee Russell from the Must Be Destroyed on-site podcast, Lee Says. Hello, Duncan. Hello, fellow movie clubbers. And we're back, and oh, I'm excited that we're doing some Hammer. Yes, boy. I am very, very excited. So first off, we're going to be looking at The Creeping Unknown, or the Quatermass Experiment from 1955. In my opinion, an early great from Hammer. Quintessential sci-fi horror film, in my opinion. Film that never really slows down uh, all that much. Uh, pretty much instantly gets you into the weird cosmic horror aspects of the tale, while grounding it in a, the real-life fears and distrust of science in the atomic age. People will often cite this as an early example of Lovecraftian horror on film, and there are shades of that here as mankind is prodding and poking its nose into things it's perhaps better not knowing about, but alas, science must be satisfied. And that's where Quatermass comes in, uh, representing this stubborn and borderline insane desire to keep pushing against things he doesn't understand. No matter what the cost might be, uh, be it a few human lives or even the uh, eventual destruction of the world. 
the, the character of Quatermass would uh, eventually be played more sympathetic, even in the Hammer sequels and in uh, future adaptations. But here he's not the cackling mad scientist of lesser horror films of the day, but uh, a cold, rational, and driven man who be, might be a worse monster than any sort of tentacled space blob hanging out in uh, Westminster Abbey. Uh, by the end of the film, as we have here. He's very much a representation of a lot of people's fears at the time, and actually still today people's fears and distrust of science. Uh, He's kind of an embodiment of that, and this film definitely has a certain stance. Well, maybe it's a little ambivalent what what the movie's actual stance is, but it certainly is presenting Quatermass himself as that sort of thing. This is similar to contemporaries like X the Unknown and It the Terror Beyond Space. Uh, much like the latter of those two films, possibly it also has uh, a heavy influence on films uh, to come like Alien and The Thing, uh, where we have interstellar hitchhikers uh, coming back to Earth on one of our rockets to wreak havoc and also... Um, just the idea of uh, the very molecules of a human being being changed and absorbed and made into a monster. It features some pretty good performances, uh, notably Brian Donlevy as Quatermass and Richard Woodsworth as the uh, tragic astronaut who is slowly changing into the monster. Uh, It's got a typically great James Bernard score, uh, one of his earlier ones. Uh, It might be a bit slow in places for some people, and some of the effects don't quite hold up anymore, Um, but a lot of them are still great, and these are minor complaints stacked against an all-time classic sci-fi horror film, in my opinion, and one that everyone should watch. I am going to give this four and a half stars out of five on the old Netflix uh, scale, and now for the trailer tagline that you requested. Don't fear fear going into into outer space. space. Fear Fear what may come back with you. And there you go. Looking forward to seeing what other people uh, come up with and what they think of the movie. And uh, cheers. See you guys later. Boom! Hear that? That's the sound of a fucking mate dropping. There we go. All positive reviews this month. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Even when there was slight dissension or some niggles in there. Overall, the general consensus is all positive grades. The lowest being, you know, from Don. And Don said himself he was he was pushing that was the highest he was going to go. And he ain't going any further than three. But I got the impression from even in his review, he appreciates what was doing. And specifically for the time, 1955. A long fucking time ago, people. A long fucking time ago. And the fact that this movie proceeds so much... And I'm thinking, you know, while I was listening to Lee talk about it, even when I was saying I came late to the party on this movie, it's still 20 years ago since I saw it. And the fact that I could revisit it just before um, putting it out as the challenge and like genuinely like giddy while watching it, 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 it does make me very, very happy to say that we, we have run a whole, a whole episode where, for the most part, everyone seems kind of happy too ecstatic and yeah Lee comes in weirdly with the same grade as me I think it just is short of that five just short of that five although FYI we will be covering at least one five star bona fide classic in my eyes 
Hammer horror movie as part of this series. Everything scores pretty high for me in these. I'm a massive Hammer horror fan. Surprise, surprise. Um, I don't think you get to my age and live in the country. I do without being a huge fan of Hammer horror. You practically fed it as a horror fan as a child. That's pretty much what you're given. Um, so yeah, this is super, super cool. And I loved all the taglines. Um, if I had to pick my favourite two, my favourite two... Uh, the reason I say two is because I couldn't pick between the two of them. One had sound effects. Lee Russell's was absolutely amazing. I actually really like Don and Ellie's as well, if I'm, if I'm honest. And we're going to continue that through all the Hammer movies uh, this series. So you'll get to do more taglines for those that were saying that they're, they don't think it's their strongest suit. You're going to get more chances to flex those muscles to put it out. So there we go. That was a ton of fun. I really enjoyed that. And you won't have that long to wait. You essentially have a week. Uh, before the next one is announced and not a lot of time because February is a short month but we're going to have fun with the next one trust me the, the next one is an absolute fucking hoot so yeah okay right I'm going to take my final break when I come back I'm closing out the show right after this you're listening to the podcast under the stairs you've been listening to the podcast under the stairs this has been bonus episode 218 it's been movie club as part of challenge teapot's january 2020 kicking off our four month stint in hammer horror territory with a little bit of the quatermass experiment from 1955 thank you once again to the listeners who submitted reviews for taking part and having some fun with us i love the fact that these series still continue and whilst i was getting a bit snippy um, on the previous recording where I was like no one's fucking sending in reviews I'm happy that people did at the last minute you saved the day as always and sometimes it's quality and not quantity and the quality of the reviews always super high on these segments so yeah one week and we will be coming back with your next assignment and boy is it a good one there is a ton of ways to check out the podcast under the stairs as always i say check us out on apple Podcasts. subscribe to the feed and leave us a rating and a review it's the best way to support us on that platform you can also check us out stitcher smart radio soundcloud google play tune in and of course spotify you can visit our website for the teapots collective it's teapotscast.com you can check out all the shows available directly through that nice and easy couldn't be any easier you can support the show by buying some cool merch if you want. We've still got some posters and pins left. Not many of all of them, to be honest with you. We're kind of starting to run low. And I will need to start to get thinking cap on and see what we do this year in terms of a new merch promotion. Something will come up, no doubt. But um, yeah, we are starting to run low on stock. So if you're interested in them, that is tputzcast.bigcartel.com. When they're gone, they gone, ladies and gents. They gone. You can into that with us on Facebook if you want to interact with other listeners on the Facebook group page it's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cast alternatively if you want to go across to the Facebook page for the Teapots Collective that's facebook.com forward slash cast. can be any easier ladies and gents could not be any easier you can interact with myself and the Baz and the twin prongs of social media sexiness Instagram and Twitter both can be followed at cast. and while you're uh, when you got a bit of free time, you've got free time. I can see it in your eyes. You've got too much free time. Far too much fucking free time. Uh, you can also join us on the Flick Chat app. 
That's right, it's social media for podcasters and listeners to interact. You can listen to the shows directly through there, and then there's message boards for everything Podcast Under the Stairs does, and everything that the Teapots Collective is doing as well. Our join code for the Flick Chat app is Cast, and it's available free on Android and iOS. There we go. That is us done, ladies and gents. We are done. Remember and subscribe to that second feed, that Teapots Collective feed, for tomorrow. There cometh a new show. Doing the nasty season two. Myself and Mark Ball starting the 82 movie journey into the tier three video nasty list. No one asked for it. We didn't want to do it. We're doing it fucking anyway. Yay. Podcast Under the Stairs will also return tomorrow as well. Giving you a little bonus review of the brand new grudge movie. Does it suck as bad as the internet says it does? You'll find out my views and my opinions on it tomorrow. But until then, wherever you are, wherever the time zone is and whatever you're up to in this big bad world of ours, please take care of yourselves out there. This is Duncan McLeish broadcasting live from Under the Stairs and I am signing off.